Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. You should open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. And as you're finding that, uh, I, I grew up in Lake City, Arkansas. My grandfather was a cotton farmer. Uh, it's a farm, row crop farming area. Um, I told somebody earlier who was asking where in Arkansas, uh, if you'll drive from here to Arkansas and keep driving through Arkansas until it's not at all pretty anymore, that's where I'm from. Uh, the part that's over close to the Mississippi River that is flat, we grow rice there and mosquitoes. And, uh, and, and that whole area, uh, that's home for me. Um, God uh, brought me to faith in him when I was five. I was nearly six, but I was really, really young. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you as a pastor today, when five-year-olds come to me saying they've trusted Christ and want to be baptized, I'm skeptical because five is young. It's really, really young. Uh, but I'm not so skeptical I won't hear them out because I'm, it was the real thing for me when I, was, when I was five. Came to faith in Christ then. Uh, I think God just wanted me to get an early start because he called me to, to preach when I was 11. And I preached my first sermon when I was 15 on a mission trip in Michigan. Um, the last year of high school, I pastored a little small church uh, out in the country uh, where I was growing up. And um, that's always, you know, just been something that God was, was moving me toward uh, over the course of my life. Um, and, but I grew up in this really small town, a very small agriculturally oriented town, uh, in, in small family oriented churches. Uh, most of the people that I went to church with, they were a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or grandparents or something like that when I was growing up. So, so, uh, people who analyze this kind of thing say it's like a family chapel. And that's, that's really the sort of, sort of church that I grew up in. Uh, and um, God arranged things for me to be able to go to Baylor. Um, I should have prayed about that more than I did. It was the right decision. I just should have prayed about it more than I did. Uh, I, pretty much the analysis I gave to it is it's the biggest Baptist university in the world, and I'm Baptist, and, um, and they're paying for it, and so I'll go. And so I, w- I went on down there and studied and then also wound up at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, all those things have been great blessings for me, but I still really am connected to home in a lot of ways. Um, I've, um, I, I love coming up here because I know that there's a lot of agriculture in this part of the world. I grew up around agriculture. Uh, I've, got, I've got a small farm uh, in northeastern Collin County, which is where Farmersville is. It's, uh, it's far enough out. At, it's, it's like a mile from the county line to Hunt County. Uh, so most of Collin County's urban 
but this part of Collin County is not at all urban. And uh, I have, uh, I have t well, really, I guess 11 cow-calf units um, and a bull uh, and, um, and then a couple of show cattle. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about that. We may talk about them more as we go on further. Uh, but um, I had a heifer last year who has turned out to be my best performing cow on the whole farm. And she's really, really friendly. She's the, she's the, the heifer who loved us all the way through and would really come up and interact with us all the way through. And I grew attached to her. And so I named her Lottie Moon, okay? Because I'm a Baptist preacher and that seemed to be appropriate. And, um, and I bought a bull in July and his name is Bully Graham. Uh, and which feels kind of off, you know, uh, that Bully Graham and Lottie Moon are, um, so something seems inappropriate about that, but it's, um, but, but that's the way things are on my farm. Uh, we had, this is not Lottie's calf, but we had a heifer calf born on Good Friday this year, and she's really performing well too. She's gaining two and a half pounds a day. Uh, fine looking, they're Santa Gertrudis, the cattle that I'm running are Santa Gertrudis, and so she's a fine looking Gert heifer. Uh, since she was born on Good Friday, we've named her Annie Farmstrong. And uh, so there's just a whole Southern Baptist thing going on uh, out at our place. It's the, it's the most Baptist uh, cattle operation I think that you'll find anywhere. And uh, if you know those things, you have a pretty good idea who I am, I think, up to this point. So um, what I want to do today, I've got four sessions, and uh, let me just tell you, you're not going to hear anything new today at all. You're not, you're not going to hear anything today that you've not heard before. Um, my purpose today is to try to remind you and... Um, and put in, in, I hope, good practical application, um, four different simple biblical principles that, in my experience, tend to fix almost everything about a church. Um, some of the most vibrant years of church life ever in the history of churching were accomplished by people who had had like 30 days of orientation to the Christian faith. And I think a lot of times we think that you have to study and learn the secret hidden things to be able to know the, the, the magic sauce to make a church work well. When instead, actually, um, I think a, a lot of the very basic things are the things that we just need to master in order to have a healthy, well-functioning church. And so what I want to do from Romans 6 is I want to take a minute, minute just to talk about uh, the basic building blocks of what it means to be born again. That's the starting point of everything that goes into having a church function well. And I'll tell you, this is, this is material I've taught once before. I'm usually not someone who recycles a lot of stuff, but I think this works well for us today. And so 
So I'm retreading something that I'd done before, but I think it's very important. Um, so I want to read uh, the relevant part of uh, verses 1 through 11 of Romans chapter 6. Uh, I've got the New American Standard Version up here, but anything that you have that's a decent translation should work great for us today. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I want to, actually, I want to add one more verse. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Okay? Now, I know, I know you're thinking you're actually teaching about baptism because this is the baptism chapter, and uh, this is the best place for us to go for us to uh, metaphorically dunk on the Presbyterians in the hope that literally we'll be able to dunk the Presbyterians uh, when they come and understand about baptism by immersion. Okay, so I, let, me, let me tell you something about Romans chapter 6. This chapter is not about baptism. Baptism is the illustration used in Romans 6 to make a different point. Now, you can learn a lot about baptism from the way it's used as an illustration in Romans 6. It's great for you to go to Romans 6 and learn some things about baptism, but the purpose for which this was written was to teach you something else. And that's shown here at the beginning where he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? The, the, the point of Romans 6 is to explore the question of whether we can, should, and would desire to keep living after our salvation the way we I just, there we go. All right. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, I, I did not expect the microphone to go out or anything like that. I thought we were going to have a day today where everything was going to work. And let me tell you why. Because... I was driving into Dumas last night, and about 
15 minutes south of here, I saw a vehicle coming the other way on the road, and I was so encouraged to see that the demons had left Dumas <laughs> in advance of our meeting because they had a bus with the name on it that were going out of town. So I don't know who's messing with the microphone today. Uh, so, so that question is just this. I've, I've, I've had an experience. I've, I've been born again. Have I been born again into the same me that I was when I was born the first time? Or has being born again meant that there is something new and different, that there's a new direction for my life? And so what, what somebody's thinking here in Romans 6 is, because I was born again, that means that I can stay exactly the same, but be off the hook for any consequences for who I was before. That's the, that's the, that's the bonus, that's the plus of being saved is I can just keep doing all the things I did before. Maybe I can, I can be worse. I can do the things I was afraid to do before because now I know my sins have been forgiven. Now I know I'm going to go to heaven. And so I'll just, I'll just take out all of, my, all of my governing stops that kept me from doing stuff before and I'm just going to live uh, a, a very sinful life now. And so he's looking at that question what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And he says, may it never be. Um, I think that a good Northeast Arkansas translation of that, instead of may it never be, would be, are you stupid? That's really the feel of this, Okay. Should we, should we continue? Now that I'm a Christian, can I sin more? Are you stupid? And he says, after that, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Now, I want you to see verse 3. Verse 3, I think, is a, is a key verse. He says, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? That question is a rhetorical question where he says, do you not know? What he's really trying to say is, of course you should know. Surely you know. And the reason why he thinks surely they ought to know this, listen to this part of the rest of it, it's not going to make sense, okay? The reason why they're thinking surely you should know this is because of this. Your baptism was not just an event for grandma and grandpa to come in and watch. Your baptism doesn't save you, but it was supposed to teach you some things. There are some lessons that you were supposed to learn on the day of your baptism. And Romans 6 is all about explaining what those lessons were that you're supposed to learn. Very basic things that you're supposed to learn at the start of this whole walk that matter. The first lesson is, there's a lesson here about death. He says, do you not know, verse 3, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. 
Mark Kahutek came to First Baptist Farmersville. They, they actually, they moved to Farmersville, Texas. He and his wife, Kimberly, had met each other. They had a very interesting job, and they met on the job. They were tunnel diggers, okay? They, um, they, they met in northwest Arkansas, the pretty part of Arkansas, where they were building that interstate to go up to Fayetteville from I-40, and there's a tunnel through a mountain that's a part of that interstate. And so they were on the job blasting that tunnel. I don't know what you imagine when you think about people who do that kind of work for a living, who, who tunnel through mountains, put roads through mountains for a living. But I'll tell you, Mark was exactly what I would think would be somebody like that. He was tall, he was rugged, he was a man's kind of man. He had long hair. I looked at him, I went to their house, sat down with them, shared the gospel with them, and I thought, Lord, please, please bring Mark to faith in Christ because if you would save him, he could play Jesus in every play that we have from now to the end of time. He had the long hair and the tall physique and everything, and, and he did wind up doing that uh, after all of this. I shared the gospel. Mark accepted the gospel. Kimberly accepted the gospel. Uh, and we wound up uh, scheduling for baptism for Mark, uh, and Kimberly's baptism was different, separate from that. But we scheduled baptism for Mark, and um, every Baptist preacher has a baptism story, and this is one of mine. Um, and it's always about something that didn't work. And for us, what did not work this time, you know, I went, we filled the baptistry up with water, I turned on the pump and the heater, and what broke this time was the little part that decides that the water's hot enough and turns off the heater. So we came in that Sunday morning and there was smoke coming off of the surface of the water in the baptistry. The heater had run uninterrupted all night long, taking the temperature of that water way, way up. And so I saw that, I thought, man, something's not good. And it was the 8.30 service, so there's not time to, like, go buy a truckload of ice and dump it into the baptistry or anything like that. And I went to Mark, and I said, Mark, listen, the water is exceedingly hot. But I know you've got family that's come in. I get to wear these insulated waders to go in there. And this is my job. I, you know, I... I I should try to accommodate you. And I know you've, it's a big day, but you should decide whether you want to go through with this or not. And so, um, so, so Mark said, all right, let me check this out. And of course, Mark's a tough guy. He's a tunnel digger. He's, you know, he's a, he's, he's a guy who endures a lot. So he goes, takes his toe, dips it into the water in the baptistry, comes back and says, gosh, that's hot. But I think I can do it. And I said, well, okay. And I said, here's what we'll do. I'll leave you out of the water as long as possible. I'll go in, welcome everybody, talk about baptism, talk about your profession of faith. I'll do all of that without you in here. And then I'll just bring you in, and, uh, and, and we'll do the baptism very quickly, and I'll get you out of here as quickly as we can. He said, okay. So I went in the water. I'm in insulated, you know, waders, and still, gosh, it's hot. <laughs> Uh, and my face is starting to turn a little bit red, and I'm doing all of the talking. It comes time for Mark to come in. And so he comes to the steps that go down into the baptistry, and, you know, 
his feet go in and his knees go in and he had checked the water with his toe but you know biologically your toe is not the most sensitive part of your body to heat and I'm standing here in front of everybody nobody knows what's going on Mark comes into the water and, and he's right over here and I hear him start going oh 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 he walks right by me goes to the stairs on the other side jumps out of the baptistry on the other side and uh, the baptism didn't happen that day uh, and I was left to explain to everybody what had happened and of course we repaired the, the, the broken part, and three weeks later, we baptized Mark. And at the end of that service, we called Kimberly and Mark up at the front, and, and just because of how things had gone, uh, church presented them with a gift certificate <laughs> to Red Lobster. Uh, so uh, it really is a true story. It all happened exactly that way. It is rare that baptism is physically painful like it was for Mark but baptism is always about spiritual pain baptism commemorates the burial of Jesus who suffered intense pain physical and spiritual my God my God why have you forsaken me? Okay. We're told in the scriptures that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And so baptism speaks to us about immense spiritual pain that Jesus went through for us to be able to be saved. But it also talks about the fact that as we read here later on, uh, it says to us in verse 6, Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. So your baptism was supposed to teach you that you were doing away with yourself. Doing away with your old self. Doing away with your body of sin. Baptism is a death celebration. It's a celebration of the death and burial of Jesus. And it's also a celebration of the death and burial of who you used to be. And that's a lesson we're supposed to carry with us from our baptism forward. So that we are ever mindful of the fact that I am not who I used to be. The person I used to be is gone. And good riddance. Because the verdict of death for sin was upon the old me. Does that fix problems in church? So many, so many problems in church can be fixed by that. Because... Problems in church come when I bring the old me into the new family. And so we're supposed to learn that. We're supposed to learn a lesson about death. Secondly, we're supposed to learn at our baptism a lesson about resurrection. We're told 
that verse 4 where we've been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in newness of life for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death certainly we shall be bo- we shall be uh, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection here's the verse I read part of a while ago knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin okay so so we have the we have the story about death but also the story about being raised to a new life verse four so that we we too might walk in newness of life do you see how that makes it insane to say well i've been saved and baptized now so i'm going to live the same old life that now I get a get-out-of-jail-free card to live that same old life. Your baptism was supposed to teach you that that's not the deal. The new life is not the cost of salvation. The new life is the benefit of salvation. Now, you know, the resurrection is something that, t- that we tend to think of in terms of what's going to happen someday when Jesus comes back. And listen, I, I think all good Christianity is oriented around our hope for the future. Now, all good Christianity is eschatological. And I was raised that way. I told you about the little church that I went to. Uh, I don't know if this phenomenon exists here in the, we call this the top of Texas, right? Is that the, the name of this region? Yeah. So I don't know if that exists here in the top of Texas, but I'll tell you, Northeast Arkansas, we had the 1975 Baptist Hymnal. And we sang out of that on Sunday morning. But on Sunday night, we had the Heavenly Highway hymns. There you go. Somebody knows about that. We would, on Sunday night, we let our hair down a little bit. And on Sunday night, we would sing what my father-in-law used to call that Stamps Baxter Hop Along Jesus music. And, uh, you know, we'd tap our toes a little bit and sing Just a Little Talk with Jesus and, and, uh, and by and by when the morning comes and uh, what a day, I love it, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. Don't worry, I know you just ate. I'm not going to sing anymore, but I just wanted you to know that those were the songs that we would sing that, that were anticipating the return of Christ and anticipating our eternity in heaven. But you were supposed to learn at your baptism that your resurrected life started already. Started already. Because when you were converted, baptism depicts what happened when you were saved. And when you were saved, the old you was buried together with Christ. And you were spiritually, at that time, raised. Resurrected born again a different you raised resurrected to be able to walk in the life of eternity now is that a process that is completely done by the time when you're saved i hope not look at y'all surely we can do better than this right okay but just because it's not done yet doesn't mean it's not done yet and here's what I mean by that. 
Any of you ever read Tom Clancy novels? Thank you. You are the one person, you're the one person this illustration will work for. Uh, so glad that you're here. I was really feeling alone there for a moment. Tom Clancy, he's been dead for a while. He, he, uh, he wrote The Hunt for Red October, The Sum of All Fears, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, uh, a bunch of kind of thriller, spy, military kind of dramatic novels that were all on average about 40,000 pages long, uh, but really good, really good. And The Sum of All Fears, they made it into a movie later. Uh, it was a movie that is noteworthy for having pretty much completely ignored the book. But, um, but, 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 the, but the book, The Sum of All Fears, talks about terrorists who get a hold of some plutonium and create a nuclear weapon and, uh, and detonate it at a football game in the U.S. That's, I've spoiled the plot for you of this book, but you've had 30 years to read it, and so I don't feel bad at all. It's on you. Um, so Clancy wrote that book, and he wrote an entire chapter of that book that covered three nanoseconds of time. The title of the chapter is Three Shakes. It describes the three nanoseconds when the nuclear bomb goes off. It talked about all of the physics, everything that happens. Uh, you know, I guess those people up at Pentax know about this kind of thing, but, uh, but all the stuff that had to happen for that weapon to go off, a, a two-stage thermonuclear device. And what's really interesting to me is the last paragraph of that whole chapter covering these three nanoseconds because the neutrons had done what the neutrons were going to do and the uranium and the plutonium and the tritium and the, and the helium-3 that messed it all up and all that stuff is described there, okay? But then at the end of it, when it's all done, he says, the exterior casing of the bomb had not yet been changed at all in the three nanoseconds of what happened down inside it. And yet, even though the whole casing of the bomb was intact, everything around it was completely intact, nothing had changed. He said, even though that's true, everything that was going to happen had already happened. And all that remained was for the energy from that reaction to be distributed out to the surrounding area. And I thought when I read that, what an amazing description of what it is to be born again. When you're born again, at first, you come out of that water looking pretty much like you did when you went into it. When you are saved, you get up off of your knees looking pretty much the same you did when you got on your knees. And you're going to get up and go to work or school or home or whatever the day after that, and you're going to face a lot of the same problems. You're going to face a lot of the same temptations. You're going to still have a lot of the same habits that you had before. Because the exterior casing of you 
may have only been changed a little bit at that point. But everything that needed to happen had already happened. And all that remains is for the effects of that moment when you went to follow Christ to make their way out from the inner being of who you are into all the rest of it. That's, that's why sometimes church is hard is because the outer casing hasn't been changed enough yet. But that's no good reason to despair and throw in the towel because the work has already been done. We just have to be patient for the effects of it to make their way out into people who know Christ. And so the resurrected life has already started. It's just working to take hold of you now. You were supposed to learn that when you were baptized. Something about death, something about resurrection. And with the negative four minutes that I have left, <laughs> also a lesson about freedom. And I just want to show you here uh, at the end of verse 6, this happens to the body of sin is done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Four, verse 7, he who has died is freed from sin. And then I want you to go all the way down to the verse 11 and 12. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. There's the lesson about death. And, or but, alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's the message about resurrection. And then that first part of verse 12, which is a new paragraph, but still I want us to look at it. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. The death and the resurrection result in freedom for you. Sometimes some destruction has to happen for you to have freedom. Uh, I was talking to Dar Darcine, Darcy. I was talking to Darcy just a minute ago, and, uh, and she had an injury to her elbow. And uh, I was talking about the fact that my wife injured her right, her right forearm very severely. We had a, we had a um, flatbed trailer, farm trailer, that we were using for a float in the parade. Because let me tell you, Farmersville, Texas has parades. Farmersville, Texas is the hometown of Audie Murphy who was the most decorated soldier in World War II. And we walk down those streets with flags every chance that we get. We do it at Christmas. We do it in October at an event called Old Time Saturday. And we do it in June, as close as possible to Audie Murphy's birthday on Audie Murphy Day there in Farmersville. And so we're big into parades. And our, uh, our church always puts on multiple floats in the parade. And we've got a barrel train. You ever seen where you take the barrels and you, okay, so we've got a barrel train that the preschoolers ride in. And then we've got other floats that other people in the church ride in. So Tracy was on the float for our Trail Life USA and American Heritage Girls Troop. And, but she's also, because this is the wife God gave me, she's amazing at this. She, she's on there with those grade school and high school kids, but her eye at all times is also watching the preschoolers who are in the barrel train while we're waiting for the parade to start. And she saw a preschooler getting out of the barrel train and she went to get off of the float to go get that preschooler and get them back where they needed to be and she fell 
And when she fell, she broke her radius at the wrist, and then her ulna at the elbow was completely severed from the end of it, what's called the olecranon process. And so, so she had a very, very severe injury. But this is, this is part of why she's so wonderful. Even with that, she got up and walked a quarter mile so the kids would not see that she was hurt uh, before calling. And we went, we wound up doing surgery. And she went through the rehab of that. And uh, this was, and this was, um, this happened in, uh, in 2021. So we went through the rehab of that. And when she got to the end of it, she really didn't have motion in her arm. Uh, she, she couldn't powder her nose, which was important to her. And, uh, you know, not with her right hand. That's apparently, I didn't know that you had a nose powdering hand, but apparently her right hand is her nose powdering hand. And that's the one that she needed uh, to have working. And as it, as it turned out, what had happened is, because of a number of things, is actually her dad died from COVID just after that and we wound up missing a lot of her rehab to go funeral and the sickness before that and everything and while she was not doing rehab scar tissue built up in her elbow and it was because of that scar tissue that she couldn't get the motion that she needed so she had surgery again last fall a year after she had had that injury and what they did was they went into her arm to destroy the scar tissue in order to liberate her arm so that she could move it. And becoming a Christian, being born again, is the destruction of some things in your life in order to liberate you so that you are able to follow Christ. And it hurts, and it's a procedure that requires inconvenience and difficulty. Baptism teaches you a lesson that becoming a Christian is about experiencing the loss of some things. It is dark, but it is liberating. Praise God for that. And so, I was talking about church stuff, because I know your church is doing great man y'all are y'all are you have a work day tomorrow a whole bunch of people are coming to to move things around because i've just been i didn't know anything about your church till last night but i've just been hearing from your pastor how great how healthy how wonderful this church is uh, but i'm just telling you in case that doesn't last <laughs> or also because you can have a healthy church but every healthy church has individual people who are struggling in it in some way or another and so I just, the, the main point of all this is to tell you that there is death for things that needed to die. That there's the beginning of a resurrected life that is ultimately what you'll experience in heaven when you're physically resurrected. And there is freedom to do things you were not able to be doing before, all given to you when you were born again. And when you see the amazingness of that, that Jesus killed off things you couldn't kill and needed to, 
that Jesus gave you a life that you desired but could not create for yourself. And when you see that it's true, the, the, the words of that beautiful song, uh, Amazing Love, How Can It Be? To look and say, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. When you see that, you get the freedom to do things, that you lose chains with what happens when you're saved. When you understand the marvelous complexity and beauty of what happened when you were born again, only in understanding that do you understand why Paul would say, are you stupid? in response to the idea that now you could use that to go back to where you were before. Maybe if you're struggling to grow as a believer, maybe if you've hit a wall after a lot of progress and you're just really struggling to push things forward, maybe if you got discouraged and quit a long time ago, Maybe the solution to that is not for me to come up here and tell you something you've never heard before. Maybe you just need to go back and remember what you learned at the beginning and apply it anew into your life today. Father, thank you for the truth of the gospel and for the power and strength that comes from it. Thank you for very patient and attentive folks who've listened for a long time. Bless our break time together, and Lord, we ask that you'll uh, give us good treasures yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.